everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Low Code Approach. I am Sean Feeney, one of three, I think, hosts today, and I'm joined by... And I'm Wendy Haddad. I think I'm the second of the three caballeros, and I'm joined by... Ken Aguilar, and we are on the Low Code Approach. It really whips the llamas. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Ken, for taking us in the way back machine. I appreciate that so much. But let's talk a little bit about the future. And to talk about that, we're joined today by Emma Cooper, Principal PM Manager at Microsoft. How are you today, Emma? Hi, hi, folks. I'm doing good. Yeah, I guess a little more about me. I'm a Principal PM on the Power Apps team here at Microsoft. And so my role on that team is uh, to look out for authoring experiences, all those makers and developers, enabling them to build apps better with productivity and also to make them of higher quality. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for joining. I really appreciate it. And I think I, I said we're going to talk a little bit about the future. And I think that's pretty synonymous with one word, co-pilot. And I'm going to pose the most basic question to you right now. What is Copilot and how does it work? That's a great place to start, Sean. <laughs> Copilot is the term that Microsoft uses for its generative AI experiences that help with folks' productivity. So that's in the the general term what it's used for. Now, the way in which Copilot shows up is in a few different places. So a lot across the Power Platform, you have the the concept of Copilot helping makers and developers, you know, build better, build faster, build with higher quality. And so kind of like there's Copilot that helps accelerate your development in Power Apps and Power Automate and so on. There's also Copilot experiences that are kind of more ingrained to help you generate text such as deployment notes or app descriptions and so on. Um, so kind of just kind of supporting overall over the overall experience. And then there's Copilot that's just available as a part of the applications. Um, so users who are using apps can also leverage Copilot, you know, as a part of just performing the process or, or app that they're using. So it's really, you know, we have the generative AI for, you know, makers and developers and generative AI for kind of like our, our admins and overall kind of like quality process that support things that they would that make it easier to to manage and then there's kind of the generative AI and copilot capabilities for people who are using applications as well well let's double click there for a moment because we talk a lot about personas and the kinds of makers and developers and I think Kartik says everybody's a developer we had Jack Robotham on the podcast who said everybody's a maker or a problem solver, I should say. But regardless of your philosophy, we do have people who are in the pro development role. And so is Copilot for those individuals as well? Are they just for these quote unquote citizen developers or business makers who are solving personal problems? How can Copilot be used for the more technical challenges? So I think it is for everyone in the way that, you know, the promise of the power platform is to democratize development for, for new makers. It's also a promise of increased productivity for pro developers as well, right? It, it doesn't just help new folks go fast. It also helps, you know, folks who, who've been, been around for a while go faster as well. Like that's, that's the general idea. And you can see this in the fact that 
you know, let's take the simple example of importing Excel files that and like copying and pasting and importing data. That is something that as a part of pro development role, your test data and everything, typing all that out, copy pasting it over, getting it into like a structure that that works like that takes a ton of time and, you know, wouldn't might not be a, a, a great thing for pro developers to they might not enjoy it or, or want to spend that time. And so having Copilot be able to kind of natively import that Excel file, you know, into a Dataverse database, you know, for example, like that's a great productivity win for a pro developer as well. You know, it, while the, the citizen developer may, you know, not know all the, the steps involved in it, it definitely will help them go faster, be more successful. You know, that's fantastic, but it helps our pro developers go faster as well. So I, I think that's a really good example. I do a lot of training and consulting with our customers. And another thing that I've seen a lot of is it's not replacing that pro dev or developer skill, right? And so if you understand how data works or how an app should be built, you can actually write a better prompt to be able to craft things and correct things better, especially I think about power apps, right? And how you can describe it to design it and build the data model. And if you understand the basic principles, it actually can take you further and allow you to, to scale because we already know there's developer shortage in IT organizations. And so it's a really great tool to help developers move faster, as well as kind of helping kind of shape those best practices. I was doing a demo for people who are brand new to this whole idea of development and generative AI. And what was beneficial there is I love that the apps are automatically responsive, put those best practices in place for them so that they can actually begin using these apps in production capacities if they need to. And so it's a great example of how it's helping, how it's helping both there. <laughs> but Ken has a question. And whether you want to respond or, or comment on. And I mean, ab absolutely plus one. Like the idea is that, you know, the saying goes rising tide lifts all boats. That's the, the intention here. And I think, you know, as more capabilities, you know, roll out, um, it'll only benefit the the developers who are you know working on the platform so emma yesterday i was actually with customers and one of them raised this really interesting point and they said that they were working inside of copilot uh, building an app so um, power apps copilot and last month they asked copilot to help them with a question and it wasn't able to but yesterday when we were talking with the customer we tried it again and it worked so that begs to ask, how are we training the models? How quickly is Copilot learning? How fast is it is it evolving? And maybe a follow-up, can a customer train the model? Or is it we're the ones training the model themselves? I love this question, Ken, because uh, we actually didn't get to the how does Copilot work part of the start of the show. And so let's do some like Copilot basics. So basically the models that are included are what are called pre-trained models. The models that are used in a lot of these experiences are the Azure OpenAI service models that are, are what they are. And what changes is what context and instructions and prompts that Microsoft helps, you know, support, like add to the model. So to break that down a little further in, in how that would work. So we have our, our AI model, we send it a prompt to it, and then it gives us back, you know, the response. So a very basic version of that, you know, if we just, as Microsoft standalone, we send your user input to the model and back. So if you were like, add a screen to the app in our Power App scenario, we could just send that prompt to the model and send it back. But 
You know, it might not be of the best quality. We can improve it through things like giving it a task description saying, okay, you're going to add additional content to this application and take into account the user input that they give you. Also be helpful in, in your responses. They, when you don't know things. And so like we can craft the prompts to be better at that. You can also include things like examples. So this is a great example of the, the code structure that should come back for how you should, should add a screen. And we can include those examples to make the prompts better so that the model will give us a better response. But ultimately, the model's not changing, right? That's why you hear like GPT-3, GPT-3.5, GPT-4. Like that's when the model changes. But behind the scenes, like it's a pre-trained model. We just change and evolve our ability to give better instructions and also, for example, take into account your context. Because that's the other part that really can improve the the outcomes. Context might, might look like, for example, when you go and just type into like the chat GPT website and type some stuff, like if you get in the comp further in con the conversation, like it's clear it feels like it knows who you are, but that's because they actually feed, you know, your chat history and last user input into the prompt that they sent to the model for the next query. So it, it feels very personalized because they add that context into the prompt, but the model is not actually changing or evolving. So that's kind of, you know, a, a common misconception, I would say. And because previously a lot of the models that were used all had to be fine-tuned models where it had to learn and you had to add a lot, a lot of context and it evolves as we go. But um, in this new age with with the new models that are available, the pre-trained models have gotten good enough where that's not necessary. So that's kind of like the, how does it actually work? And then to, to your second question around, can I train it? Can I make it better? Can I actually, if I want to give it my context to make it awesome uh, uh, or even more awesome than it is today? And right now the co-pilot behaviors for uh, makers and admins or so on, are currently locked down by by Microsoft because there's there's a lot of risk in in opening that up because you know we want uh, to maintain kind of our responsible AI and security principles for that. However, for our kind of end user, you know, I want to include generative AI inside of my applications and automations. That's where folks have, you know, a lot more power uh, in order to go and, and augment and adjust what context, you know, add additional plugins, add things, you know, uh, into the what's called like retrieval augmentation. So say the model doesn't have the context that you need, you can actually tell it to go, hey, go check this website, check this content, use this um, to also base your answers off of. That is something that you can also go and, and adjust as a part of the copilot that you would want to build or the generative AI capabilities that you would want to build yourself and, and include for your users. I feel, Emma, like I've just graduated from Copilot 101. So maybe... <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So maybe on to Sean for uh, Copilot 105, 102, or perhaps 200. Thanks, Ken. I, I kind of want to take a blend of a few of the questions you touched on a little bit about how their models train, how can we make the experience better for the end users? And Wendy discussed a little bit earlier about how she was doing a training session for app design and how Copilot helped assist with not enforcing, but helping implement best practices for app design. Now, as somebody who's new to Power Platform or maybe somebody who's 
uh, experienced or kind of ramping back up maybe for Power Platform, does Copilot, by enforcing those best practices for you, remove a, a foundational layer of understanding for application design? So like the analogy is, do I need to know long division anymore? Or do I just bust out a calculator and just have it do it for me? Because I don't need to show my work anymore, right? So is Copilot the new calculator? I love that comparison, Sean. <laughs> I think that's really great because I think it's actually accurate in some ways and also Copilot is different in others. So with a calculator, you are all still in charge of all of the outcomes that come out of that calculator, right? You're the one putting one plus five into the calculator and ideally knowing that you should get back six. Even though it does that work for you, you know, in doing the calculation and it definitely, I don't even remember the last time I did long division by hand. You still have, because you learn some of those uh, fundamentals, you know, you, you learn what outcomes to expect from it in order to evaluate it. And I think for Copilot, is there a need to have some kind of understanding of, you know, what should come out of it? I would say, yeah, that's why it's a Copilot. It's because, you know, it shouldn't be unsupervised because ultimately at the end of the day, it's the same idea. Like, you know, inputting, you know, what I would expect to have happen and then I'm going to get a response and I need to also understand if that response is reasonable. You know, if I typed into a calculator one plus five and I got back like 10,000, I might be like, hmm, that seems seems suspicious. But, you know, building out the applications, I should still have a general sense of even in my you know description what a reasonable response should be. Right. If I go in and say, go and add a, a new button to the screen and it you know, comes back with something completely different, like I should be like, hmm, like that, that doesn't quite make sense. And so I think like, you know, there's different altitudes of fundamental understanding. Like I would say, like, for the most part, like we, we do need that, that supervision that is there to have the outcome be what you expected. But also, do I need to actually go get a degree in power platform in order to use Copilot? No, that's not the intention, right? It can help with those best practices because even if you think about, oh, I'm trying to go and build a responsive app, doing that on my own, I'd probably be less successful. Maybe even like, you know, if I didn't go and read up and sort through the best approaches, I might be making a bunch of mistakes as well. But by leveraging Copilot, you know, it could get me further of the way there. So I think like there's kind of like a, a, a balance that is there, I would say for sure. And then I think the, the other interesting thing, like with the calculator, it uh, it actually hides, like it doesn't actually show you how all those steps in the long division, right? It's kind of just you, you input the numbers and it gives you the response. And like in, I think across the Power Platform and at Microsoft, we're trying to be more transparent than that, right? Like for example, in Power App Studio, which is like, that's the one I'm most familiar with since I work on it. We actually show all the steps that are involved. So if I gave a prompt, like add a gallery and a form and connect it to data and, you know, go add a submit button that connects to the form. Like if I did all that, we break it down step by step to tell you all the different things that we did so that you have the power to like get that extra level of visibility to, to go and review um, all those steps as well. So yeah, I think 
I love that example of the, of the calculator, Sean. I think that's great. I'm going to jump in and stick with the theme of mathematics right now. So in mathematics, we actually have order of operations. Parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. Of course, addition and subtraction left to right. I wasn't uh, expecting uh, to go back to el like <laughs> elementary school math in this, but here we are. <laughs> never know what to get with us, right? That's, that's how we, we roll. But you touched on some very excellent points, which begs the question, is there an order of operations when you're using Copilot? Do you start with Copilot? Or can you use Copilot with an existing app and then look at enhancing something? I'm a new maker or I'm an existing maker. How should I perhaps be using Copilot to enhance my productivity? Yeah, that's great. And I think the, the answer is Copilot can help with, you know, every aspect of, of the application journey. Right on the homepage at the top, if it's available in your region, it's right there at the top for you to go and input your your query to get started. So definitely as a way to explore what what the platform has to offer and to, you know, get a tailored solution for, for your scenario, getting started with it is, is a, a great way because you can start with a simple query you know, and be guided through kind of that process to see how it works. Now, also, I would say for existing applications as a maker, you can also leverage it there as well. It's available inside of the studio experience where you're used to working. There's capabilities that are there for you to go and change the layout, uh, ask questions. And then there's also kind of the, the ability to go and actually generate code for like sort and filter expressions and so on, right in line as well, available as, you know, you go through your experience. So there's almost like an element of progressive disclosure, right? Like if you're working on a gallery that needs sorting, like you see the option to go like input your natural language to go write a sort and fil filter expression as a part of your editing experience. So I'd say like, both for new creation, for editing, it can also be helpful and you can kind of discover along as you go. I think one good thing to call out is there's actually a co-piloted AI learning path available that was, I think, just created, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Like that kind of gives a good overview of a lot of the capabilities. So I don't know if it's a part of the podcast, we can include that link somewhere that folks can go yes. see. But I would say like, all, all parts of the journey are good to, to leverage. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot with a fun question here. I'm assuming that you've built apps for, for your team or for your business and you're using this. So what is your favorite thing that you've maybe when you first started testing it or playing with it, your team brought it to you that you created with Copilot in the Power Platform? Oh, I love that question. So I would say that I love the ability to create net new data structures through natural language because I think lots of people love that kind of like data modeling aspect, but I think being able to short circuit the, you know, clicking and adding the new types of columns and making sure they're of the, you know, texts are texts and dates are dates and so on, like I find that all really tedious. And so just being able to describe the the actual like, data scenario that I'm after and like, you know, augmenting as well via natural language. Like, you know, I need, I need another notes column and it knows to make it multi-line text and, and everything. Like, for example, we had like a scenario for tracking a couple of different like stuff that we're shipping in, in our team. And so like made an app to help with that and, and like being able to actually just do that via natural language on the fly. I find a great satisfaction, especially since I know 
how long it takes to do it manually that I can just get it done so fast. So that was great. Awesome. Hey, so I know things are moving really, really fast in in Copilot. Are there any other really interesting integrations with Copilot amongst Power Platform or maybe the Microsoft stack that you think people should know about? And maybe, you know, touch on a little bit of that developer experience where they can integrate Copilot further with some of the tools that they're already working with. Absolutely. So one of the, I think, more interesting things, and this was talked about at the Microsoft Power Platform Conference, you know, a little while ago, is the ability to have a co-pilot for your end users over your data as a part of your applications. Now, that's really interesting because it, it essentially means that you could go have a co-pilot for all of the apps and, and different processes in your organization to have that, you know, helping hand go and, you know, support folks doing their role as a part of the digital transformation that they're participating in. Now, to go and change and augment that is really exciting because you can leverage all the power of Power Virtual Agent. So there's kind of the out-of-box kind of co-pilot control that you can just kind of add and hook up to your data in a couple websites and it's ready to go as a part of Power Apps. But then you can go customize it further with Power Virtual Agents, um, basically getting full control over the co-pilot behavior. This is interesting because you can go and craft custom topics that you would want to be able to cover. You can feed it that additional context of, of URLs or documents or other things that you would want it to have as a part of the process. And then you can also go leverage things like, you know, plug-in actions and running flows and automations as a part of that co-pilot experience as well, which takes it from just simple question and answer over kind of like a database or, or websites and turns it into, oh, I can actually take actions and get stuff done as a part of that co-pilot as well. So I definitely like uh, the moment you say like, oh, what are interesting integrations and how can people work on it? Like that's where my mind goes because that's you know, that's super powerful in being able to have that co-pilot for anyone using an app and being able to customize it for your business, for your processes, leveraging the rest of the platform. It's it's definitely mind-blowing. Agreed. That is so cool. Ken, I think you have a question. I see you I see you pacing, anticipating a great question. I am, Sean. And I was just, you know, like I, talk, I have a lot of customer conversations. And one customer, I remember, was saying, okay, Clippy has now become sentient, right? And so <laughs> it was a great laugh on the call and whatnot. But they then said, how do they, within their own organization, ensure their employees that they're not going to be replaced in this AI revolution? You know, one of our responses was, um, you know, the team that was on the call, that Sean, as you said, with the calculator, it's a tool. It's there to help you. It's there to enhance. It's not sentient clippy. Emma, what kind of guidance would you give to customers who maybe fear Copilot in maybe that aspect? That yeah, ab absolutely, Ken. I think, you know, with new technologies that come out, there's always, you know, fear and uncertainty that go along with that. And so I think, you know, it's okay for folks to question it coming out. But I would say, at the end of the day, you know, this is not the first kind of technological advance that we've had that changes the way people, you know, approach their jobs. There's been kind of a lot of different evolutions. Um, and like the the example that I would love to kind of point to is, you know, Excel used to be done by developers via command line. 
which is hard to think about these days, right? Like it seems like that was ages ago, but it used to be people's full-time jobs to go do all of those calculations in Excel. Um, and then obviously we, we know now like Excel got a great kind of table UX. There's like a billion people who know how to use Excel now. What happened to all those developers whose full-time jobs it was to, to go do command line stuff in Excel? Well, basically they took their skills and applied it to other areas that was more impactful for their business, right? Like instead of doing that rudimentary work, they were able to take their skills and apply it in in better ways for, for the business. And I think in general, it, it wasn't a bad thing that their jobs changed in what they, they looked like because it empowered a whole heck of a lot more people, the fact that this technology went in and evolved. Mm-hmm. However, their ability to go take their skills and focus it elsewhere is a great opportunity for for their business and for their themselves and their career as well. I also think we've seen customer examples as well where when there is digital transformation in in the process and there's productivity improvements, you know, enabling them to take more time with customers because they have to spend less time on their tools um, and so on. Like a lot of that is is net benefit and net, you know, a good thing for those individuals who who are working and leveraging the, the new technologies. And that was a brilliant um, response inside of there. I would also like to just quickly comment and remind folks, if you know Excel, that Power Apps and Power FX is actually based off the Excel language. If you know how to use Excel, you have a great head start on using Power Apps. Just a little tidbit of information inside of there for you. Emma, I just, I, there's so much more we want to dive into, but we're running short on time, Emma. And I'm going to tease, we've f- talked a lot about like, what is Copilot and Power Platform, how you use it. A little teaser for our next episode, where we're going to talk a little bit more about the governance and the, the privacy and security side of it. But Emma, as we think about just the future here with Copilot, uh, you've mentioned one resource, but anything else you'd add that we should be uh, directing our listeners to as we land the plane. Yeah, uh, there's more guidance coming out. I would say definitely starting with, you know, if you're wanting to learn how to leverage Copilot, uh, going and starting with the learning path on learn.microsoft.com is great. We'll include that link. And then there's a bunch of other great documentation and a couple different videos that kind of go go over that experience, you know, as a part of the Power Apps blog and the Power Automate blog, um, lots of good resources there as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Emma, so much for joining us. We'd love to have you back again and would like to hear more about the new announcements coming up about the Power Platform and Copilot. Sounds great. Thank you all. Bye, all. Thank you, Emma. 